only one chapter. I'd like us to read two verses, verse 7 and then also verse number 10. Again, Second John, if we could read verse 7 and then read verse 10. Let's read that out loud, reading together, beginning in verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Verse number 10, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for how you've helped us this last week, and we're trusting, we're asking, we're begging that you would help us in this week ahead. We don't know what we'll face. We don't know what kind of news that we'll receive from some direction. But God, it sure is good to know as much as we don't know what's going to happen we have a God that does. And so, Lord, we pray you'd help us. Father, we thank you for this good report about Elizabeth. And certainly, we, we dare not stop praying for her. But, Lord, the, some of the concerns that the Wilsons were thinking they'd face, Lord, you've already dealt with some of that, so we're grateful for it. Help us now as we look into Second John. Teach us something more about what John wrote, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, we have uh, been looking here at the book of 2 John. You know that it was written by the Apostle John. This, uh, am I on or no? I'm not on? I didn't turn it on? What do you think of that? How's that? Test, test, test. Here we go. Um, 2 John. 2 John was written by the Apostle John. The Apostle John, I'll get this in a minute. The Apostle John wrote five books. He wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, then he also wrote the book of Revelation. John wrote it near the end of his life. He was probably 70 years, 80 years when he, old when he wrote all of those. Each one of those books has a theme to it. The, the theme of the Gospel of John is that Jesus is the Son of God. The theme of 1 John, if you remember, we, I preached 31 messages from 1 John. And that theme of 1 John is ways that you can know that you're born again. As we come in here to this little epistle of 2 John, the theme of 2 John is a warning against false teachers. A warning against false teachers. very first uh, verses that we looked at, it told us who the letter was written to. It was written to an unnamed woman. That unnamed woman was a believer. She had earned the title of being a lady. She was loved and she accepted correction. John uh, was no doubt going to correct her on some things. She took it. That's a great quality for all of us to have. Then we looked at the fact that the word truth is found on five times in the first four verses. And it really, every one of those times is another step on the pathway of truth. After we saw truth, we saw the word walk. Once you get saved, that's not the end of God's plan for you. That's just the beginning. God has a Christian walk that he wants. And then last time, if you remember, we looked at the word love, a Christian's love. We looked at the fact that a Christian's love is commanded. We looked at the fact that the Christian's love is commended. And then we looked at the fact that a Christian's love is qualified preacher. What are we looking at today? Well, again, John has now laid all the groundwork for this woman. He says, you have a walk with God. He said, you love. He said, you're walking in truth. But do you know there was a reason that John wrote this letter? 
I think that John, at this time in his life, he was, uh, he was with the experience that he had in the Christian life, he was invited to speak or preach at a number of newer churches that had been started. And somewhere in his travels, he came to this church where this woman was, and he was so impressed with her. In fact, look there, if you would, in verse number one. Second John, verse one, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth. There was something about this woman that fascinated John. Now, he said, I love you in the truth. So there was nothing underhanded. There was nothing questionable about that love. But he said, I am so impressed with your Christianity. He said, you have a walk with God. You have a love for people. This woman had what we would call the gift of hospitality. And whenever someone, no doubt, came through her church, she was the first one, listen, I'd like you to have, uh, come over and have a meal. Whenever someone was looking for a place to stay in her town, we have an open door for you. John saw that. And John now felt he had to address a problem that he feared that she had. She loved people so much, she didn't know when not to love. She didn't know when to say no. What was she supposed to do if someone came to her door and was teaching doctrines contrary to Jesus Christ? When someone wasn't preaching the truth, was she still to open her door to that kind of a person? That's really the theme of 2 John, to beware of false teachers. And really in this section from verse 7 to verse 11, he has to correct this woman. He said, listen to me, you just love everybody and you shouldn't love everybody. There is a line sometimes that needs to be drawn. There is a door sometimes that needs to be shut. And again, that's what he is dealing with. You know, if you have internet, and most of us do, you know that uh, with just the click of a mouse button, you can pretty well access any kind of preaching. You can get a hold of any kind of religion, any kind of church, any kind of preaching. You can get any of it. Within uh, the comforts of your own living room, you can listen to someone like John Rice or John Hagee. You could listen to someone like Joel Logan or Joel Osteen. You can listen to someone like F.B. Meyer or Joyce Meyer. You could listen to Lester Roloff or Peter Popoff. You could listen to Jack Hiles or Jack Van Impey. And some people, maybe you're here this morning, some people think, preacher, I think that's the greatest thing that there has been in these last 30 years, that by internet we can listen to any church, any preacher, any preaching, any faith. Folks, I don't think that's helped local churches. I don't think that that's helped people be faithful in their attendance to a local church. There are some people that used to sit in these chairs that now are home not because someone in their family is sick. They're home because they think it's more comfortable to stay at home than it is to come to church. Some of them think, listen, I just can only handle so much of Pastor Carlson. That's fair. And so when I've had enough, that's like seven minutes, I can change him to another channel and to another. I don't think that's helped faithful people in a local church. 
I don't think it's helped people be a ministry and participate in a local church. I don't think it's helped the financing of a local church. And what's sad about that, the fact that you can get a hold of any faith, any preaching, any teaching, is the fact that some people don't have any discernment. I'm saying that they'll listen to that guy preach and say, wasn't that great? Well, actually, no, it wasn't. There was something that he said in his message that's contrary to the Word of God. Maybe worse than that is people would say, wasn't that woman preacher great? <laughs> no, 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 she wasn't great at all. I'm saying to you, some have no discernment. Some have no understanding. Do you know that there are some that are on Internet today that... Uh, they're preaching, if it feels good, then God must be in it. Some of them are saying, send me your seed faith offering, and I guarantee you'll prosper. Some are preaching that you have to work to get saved. Others preaching that you have to work to keep saved. Some don't believe that there's a perfect Bible anywhere on this earth. Others believe that they just don't live by it. Some are preaching that no one can be sure that they're going to heaven. Others are preaching you can be sure if you're going to heaven because you have the gift of tongues and you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. I'm saying you can get every kind of preaching on the internet, and I don't think that's helping local churches. Having said that, Paul has to address this woman. He has to write her who he is impressed with her Christian walk. And he's about to say, there are some false teachers that are out there. There are some false teachers during a time when there wasn't internet that are traveling from city to city to city. And they're going to take advantage of your hospitality. They're going to knock on your door and want to be billeted in your home. And you love people so much, lady that you don't know when to shut the door. That's where we're getting into this morning. If you're taking notes, I know that some do. My title this morning is The Right Response to False Teachers. The Right Response to False Teachers. John is going to tell her if they don't walk in truth, then you can't walk with them. Let's have a look at what we can learn about the right response to false teachers. Let's begin there in verse number 7. Second John in verse 7, For many deceivers are entered into the world. Do you know from the earliest pages of the New Testament when Jesus walked this earth, time and time again we are given a warning that uh, there will always be spiritual deceivers. Do you know that everybody that has a, the name reverend in front of them is not safe to listen to? Do you know that everybody that passed as a church would not be wise to follow? Do you know that everybody that has a TV program where their church service is broadcast is not safe? Say, Pastor, why would you say that? If you're writing down the very first thing, we need to be aware of the ever-presence of spiritual deceivers. The ever-presence of spiritual deceivers. Keep your hand there if you wouldn't, 2 John. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter number 7 is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And I'm just going to show you a sampling of verses throughout the New Testament where we find there's a warning that there will be spiritual deceivers. 
Look there in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 15. Jesus said this, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves. That was a warning at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Look there, if you would, in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter number 20 and uh, verse number 29. Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. This is now the Apostle Paul. He's on his third missionary journey. Acts chapter 20 and verse 29. Paul says for, sorry, Acts 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. So Jesus warned of spiritual deceivers. Paul warned of spiritual deceivers. Look there in 2 Peter, if you would. That's almost where we're at at 2 John. Look there in 2 Peter, chapter number 2. Second, so Jesus warned of spiritual deceivers, and Paul warned of spiritual deceivers. Now here's Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Peter said, this is going to happen. There in 1 Timothy 4, I know we're looking at a lot of references. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Timothy is being trained to be a young pastor. Eventually, Timothy becomes the pastor of the church at Ephesus. But he's not yet a pastor yet. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul trying to train this young man there in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, or exactly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Well, here's what I'm trying to say. This warning about spiritual deceivers, it's found throughout the scriptures. It, it's not that when John is writing to this woman that that's by any means new. John is saying, again, back 2 John verse 7, for many deceivers are entered into the world. So already in the first century, there were deceivers that were out there I'm trying to say that what John is warning this woman of, it's not new at all. It's a warning that you and I need to heed. Again, just because someone calls himself a missionary, knocks on your door, and has a little tag that says elder, and rides a bicycle if he's in a bigger town. So, Pastor, I, I think we could trust him. Actually, he represents a church. He could be a spiritual deceiver. I give you a second thing. You've already written down the ever-presence of spiritual deceivers. Secondly, look there in 2 John again, verse number 7. 2 John, verse 7, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. You know, as soon as someone warns or tries to warn people that there will be spiritual deceivers in every age, inevitably somebody 
who's normally very naive and very simple, will say, preacher, you don't have to worry about me. Pastor, it's true that I do watch that TV preacher every week, but you know what, he'd be okay because he smiles and he is so kind. <laughs> that is not a safety from a spiritual deceiver. Someone else says, well, it can't be the woman evangelist that I'm listening to on her podcast because she makes me feel so good. Someone else says, well, it can't be that radio preacher I tune in all the time because he's assuring me if I send him a gift, I'll have a life with no trouble. Do you know the way to spot a spiritual deceiver is not how they talk. It's not how nice they are. It's not what they promise. In fact, the Bible warns us if someone is always talking nice and speaking sweet words, they could be just exactly that, a deceiver. Romans chapter 16, verse 18. You don't have to turn to it. Paul says, by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Say, well, preacher, if I can't determine somebody is genuine in their faith or a spiritual deceiver by how they talk and the words that they use and the fact that they always smile and promise peace on earth, if I can't determine a spiritual deceiver like that, how am I going to tell them? That's what he's trying to help this woman to know. She is opening the door of her home to everybody. Anybody that knocks on her door for a meal to eat or a place to stay, come on in. And he said, first of all, there are people out there, ma'am, that are spiritual deceivers. Secondly, not only you need to know that, but here's how you determine that. Look at the test that he gives, 2 John, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Secondly, if you'd write this down, the way to I, a spiritual deceiver. The way to I, a spiritual deceiver. Pastor, how, how, how is this woman going to know when the next person that knocks on her door, how is she supposed to know whether he is genuine in his faith or whether he is a spiritual deceiver? John gave a test. John said, who confessed not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. You and I that are saved, we're constantly using this term, the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we say Jesus Christ. Or we say Christ. Or we say Jesus. Or we say Lord. We use those terms almost like they're his first name, middle name, and last name. That is not what he's saying here. You know, the name Jesus, if you would, that was his human name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, is what Joseph was told by the angel that day. Jesus was the name that he was called on this earth. We know that when his brothers and sisters, other children of Mary, played with him, they called him Jesus. That's the name that he was known as. We know that when Jesus was 12 years of age, Joseph and Mary and Jesus went to the temple in Jerusalem. As they began to head back, they assumed that Jesus was with them. That was his earthly name. On the other hand, the name Christ means sent one. Throughout the entire Old Testament, God promised that he would send someone to be the redeemer of his nation Israel. 
The Jews called him their Messiah. He was also called the Christ. So when John gives this litmus test to this lady, he said, when somebody knocks on your door and is going to bank on your hospitality, is going to uh, get you to feed them and get you to house them and get you to bed them, before you even let them in your door, you're going to have to find out what their doctrine of Jesus Christ is. Do they believe that that man Jesus that walked this earth for 33 and a half years was indeed the sent one from God? Do you know before the Apostle Paul got saved, he had no problem saying he believed in a man called Jesus. Jesus was his earthly name. But you would not have gotten Paul before he got saved to say, I believe that that man Jesus who walks this earth was the sent one from God. Folks, in our, in our doctrine, we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. We don't fight that. But you know that Orthodox Jew that had never trusted Christ, he didn't believe that. In fact, he vehemently opposed that. And so this test that John is giving to this lady he said, the way that you can find out whether they're a deceiver or not, look again at verse 7. 2 John, verse 7, For many deceivers are entered into the world, how would you know them? Who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jesus is come in the flesh. No one would argue that. But the fact that the sent one from God, the Christ, came in the flesh. That's an entirely different thing. And I'm saying to you that that was the test that he gave for this woman to use when this woman spoke uh, uh, to these strangers. Look there, you're in 2 John. Look there in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John, God, uh, John gave this same test. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they have God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of Antichrist. Look there in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. you understand that? I know I've given it before, and so some of you got that nailed down real well. But here John is saying, if you believe that Jesus, that man that walked the earth, is the Christ, the promised one from God, that's the right spirit. But if you deny that Jesus was the Christ, was the one that came down from heaven, he said in 1 John again, chapter 5 and verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And then one more place, there in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? We know that Paul many times gave that same test. John gives it. We've seen two things so far. First thing that we have seen is the ever-presence of spiritual deceivers. 
second thing that we have seen is the way to eye a spiritual deceiver. Now, I, I, I never want people to walk out of the service and say, I wonder what he meant. Uh, that's not normally the complaint. We have people in this town called Jehovah's Witness. They do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. You don't want to talk to those folks. So I think I can handle it. Eve thought she could handle talking to the devil in Genesis 3. It didn't turn out well. Not only do JWs not believe that Jesus is the Christ, Mormons don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, some of them have got so slick that they will lie to your face. I've studied just enough Mormon theology to know that they could not pass the 2 John 7 test. And I've said to them, I've said, well, what do you believe about Jesus? Oh, they said, you know, we believe he's the Son of God. They said, Pastor, that's, that's, that's bang on, that's got to be right. Uh, when they told me that, I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God as nobody else could ever be the Son of God? You know what they said? Oh, yeah, they don't at all. They're lying to you. I say, first of all, the ever-presence of spiritual deceivers. Second, the way to eye them, check their doctrine of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? Do you believe that Jesus was God in the flesh? Do you believe in his sinless life, in his virgin birth? Do you believe that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was paying for his own sin? Or do you believe that Jesus was the sinless son of God and he was paying for this world's sin? I give you a third thing that John teaches this woman back there to 2 John, if you would. Not only teaches her the ever-presence of spiritual deceivers, they are ever around doing their work. Secondly, the way to eye a spiritual deceiver, and that's check them closely into the doctrine of Christ. Look at the third one, verse 10. If there come any unto you, now he's speaking to this lady, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, stop right there, he's already explained the doctrine in verse 7. The doctrine is believing that Jesus is the Son of God. So now he says in verse 10, if anyone comes to you, knocks at your door, is looking for a place to eat, a place to stay, a place to bed that night, look again at verse 10, says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, notice, receive him not into your house. That's quite a statement. Now you say, preacher, I invite them in all the time. Could I kindly say it with a smile? That's a very foolish thing. You say, oh, preacher, I, I think I can take them on. I, 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 can, I can fight them with the best of them. John said to this woman who loved God, who loved the truth, and who had a walk in the truth, John said, don't let them into your house. Again, verse number 10, 2 John, verse 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, they don't have the proper doctrine about Christ, receive him not into your house. He said, when they knock on your door, don't let them into your house. Refuse to be hospitable to those who have the wrong doctrine of Christ. 
the place to settle matters is at the door. And before that visitor comes into your home, a preacher, what if I don't know what their doctrine of Christ is? That's the place to ask them when they're outside your door. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe he is the Son of God? Do you believe his sinless life? John said, don't let them into your house. It ought not to take too long to find out what the person believes if they're honest in their answers. You know, as soon as John said that, we can't help but wonder what this Christian lady thought. <laughs> wonder if she thought, well, John, that's not very hospitable. That's exactly why John wrote this passage to her. Her hospitality knew new bounds. Let's try it again. Her hospitality knew no bounds. She was hospitable to everybody. He's trying to tell her, you don't want to be hospitable with this person. Again, there are two major cults in our day that specialize in going from door to door. They're Mormons and JWs. They've got the wrong doctrine of Christ. They're counting on people to be too kind. They're counting on people to be hospitable and invite them in. Yet John says, meet them at the door, but once you realize what they believe, don't invite them in. If you've had dealings with them, then you know that it's very hard to get them out of your house once they're in your house. So first, he said, don't let them in the house. Look at the second thing in verse 10, he tells them. Second part, he said, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's feet. Now, that's even harsher than don't let them in your house. Do you know to bid someone Godspeed is hope you have a great day? God bless you. <laughs> Put your hand out and shake and give them the right hand of fellowship. All of that is what the Bible would call good speed. And John said, don't let them in your house and don't say, listen, I'm going to be praying that you have a good day. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say, well, God bless you. Don't say, well, it's just such a wonderful thing that you're out here trying to read. Don't say things like that. Pastor, that's so unkind. There are some people that John was trying to convince this woman you need to be unkind to. And I know that runs contrary to this generation today. We are supposed to be tolerant to everybody. We are supposed to be kindly to everybody. We are supposed to be welcoming to everybody is what we're taught. But John said to this woman, there are some people you don't want to be kind to. If you're taking notes again this morning, we've looked at the ever presence of spiritual deceivers. And we looked at the way to I a spiritual deceiver. And third thing, the need to eject a spiritual deceiver. John was pretty blunt. He said, don't let them in, don't wish them the best, don't shake their hand. And how this woman responded to that, we, we, we aren't told. But knowing that she was always kind and, and, and she was always gentle, maybe she thought, well, I was taught better manners than that. If she had, John was trying to teach her better. John was saying there are some people that you don't need to have good manners with. Some people that you need to, I, I've got this, I better read it. Some people you just need to give the bums rush. <laughs> Do you know that's not only true for somebody that knocks on your door, but that's also true for the TV programs. 
the religious TV, when you find that they have a difficult time with the doctrines of the Word of God, that's the time to change a channel. That's the time with your mouse to click on something else. I'm saying to you that third, he taught her the need to eject a spiritual deceiver. I give you a fourth thing in the text. Look there in verse number 11. Verse number 11, it says, For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Someone's no doubt going to say, Well, Pastor, I, I can't see anything wrong with being kind to people. Pastor, I can't see anything wrong with being hospitable to people. Sure enough, they don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. But preacher, at least we can smile and wish them a good day. Not according to John. Look what John says to this lady if she ignores the instructions that he just gave. Verse 11, 2 John, verse 11, number 11, For he that biddeth him, that's this deceiver, God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. John was saying there's good reason not to carry on a lengthy conversation with the deceiver. There's good reason not to invite them in. There's good reason not to ask God to bless what they're doing. Because God is going to hold you accountable as an accomplice for the evil things that they did. You know that Korah, talking Numbers 16, one day Korah decided that Moses had taken too much upon himself to be the leader of Israel. So Korah gets a couple of buddies. Korah gets Dathan, a good friend, and Abiram, another good friend, and he gets a third friend, On. And these four decide they're going to march, number 16, they're going to march up to Moses and say, you think you're big stuff. We think that we could lead this nation just as well as you could. Maybe we could even lead it better. But you know, they didn't just the four of them walk up to Moses and say that. The Bible says in the early verses of number 16 that they talked 250 princes of the assembly of Israel to go with them. And so they went up to some very notable people, some people with reputation in, that, in Israel, said, we're going to talk to Moses, and, and, and you've got a good reputation town. Why don't you come with us? Oh, yeah, sure. I don't think those 250 people were fully aware what Korah was doing that day. They just decided that they were going to be a good friend to Korah. And so when Korah walks up there to Moses and said, you think you're big stuff, we could do what you're doing, we probably could do it better, Moses falls on his face. Moses didn't want that job to begin with. Moses tried to talk God out of using Moses to lead that nation. And so when they said, you've taken this upon yourself, Moses said, that is the last thing. But Moses said, you are questioning who God has put in a position of leadership. And so he says, tomorrow, God will settle this. You know that next day, God opened up the ground. Korah and Dathan and Abiram, they are swallowed alive into that bed. But you know, before that chapter is done, those 250 princes that probably didn't know what was going on, they were just there for moral support. The Bible says fire came out from the tabernacle and consumed those 250. 
Folks, you don't want to be accomplice to something that's wrong. You don't want to be a friend to somebody that does not believe that Jesus is the Christ. You don't want to be a part of that. And without a doubt, it was common in that first century to missionaries to depend on the hospitality of early Christians and to help a true Christian servant on his way. That just seemed to be the right thing to do. But John is here saying, when you've determined that they are not a true servant, when you've determined that their doctrine is wrong, you don't want to be a part of that. Because God will hold you accountable for helping in that evil deed. Do you know, preacher, I, I, I'm just trying to be kind to these people. But you know, uh, you are doing a whole lot more than showing kindness. I want you to think about it. I'm almost done. When you open your door to those that are teaching false doctrine, when you open your ears, when you open your television, when you open your computer, when you open your cell phone to that kind of person, you are, uh, you are helping them in their evil cause. And not only God considers you an accomplice to the enemies of Christ, but God considers you to be disloyal to your Savior. You're allowing them to make friends and contacts of people that you know. You are giving those intruders an opportunity to rob you of your faith. And you're exposing your whole family to that false doctrine. And I can't, listen, folks, I've, I've pastored 33 years. I don't know everything and I don't know half of everything. But there are people that at one time sat in Bible-preaching churches. And now they're no longer in Bible-preaching churches. They are sitting in some kind of a cult where that cult assembles. And you say, preacher, how did that ever, how can they go from a place where the Bible's believed and preached and lived to a place that's completely contrary to the doctrine? Of, how can that happen? Somebody was kind to someone that they should have never been kind to. This is the theme of 2 John. He's saying to this woman, you do need to love. You do need to walk the pathway of truth. But there's coming a time when somebody is going to count on your hospitality and don't give it to them. Remember what he said back there in 2 John verse 1? the elder unto the elect lady and her children. We saw the very first message of 2 John, but John was so impressed that this woman obviously had a walk with God and a love with people, and her children did too. That's why when he gets there to verse number 10, he said, when somebody comes with false doctrine, don't even let him in. Don't say have a good day. Don't shake their hand. Well, John, why? Because you remember those children that walk in truth? They just might stop walking in truth. Folks, there's a lot at risk. We believe the doctrines of the Bible because they're in the Bible. And when we bump into somebody that questions a little literal heaven, a literal hell, the Trinity, that Jesus is the Son of God, at some point, we draw a line and say, that's it. 
That's what he's trying to teach her. And maybe, just maybe, there's someone here that you're listening to somebody whose doctrine is contrary to the Word of God. And you think by being kind to them, you're somehow going to win them. John said, don't let them in your house. Don't bid them Godspeed. Far too much is at risk. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this little book of 2 John. Lord, we've been impressed with this woman just as John was. No doubt he went to the church that she and her children were a part of and he stood back and noticed her love for God, her love for people, her walk in the truth. He, he just was impressed with that. But somewhere in that, John came to the conclusion, she is so nice, she is so kind, she is so loving to complete strangers that that woman is susceptible to falling. She doesn't know when to say no. She doesn't know when to shut her door and not let people in. She doesn't know when to put down literature that somebody that does not believe that Jesus is the Christ is put out. And Lord, as sure as that was important enough for John to write this little letter to that lady 2,000 years ago, Lord, it's just as important today. Would you help us to be vigilant? Would you help us to be mindful of the things that get into our home? Help us, Lord, to be soldiers at the door. Be it somebody with false doctrine, as this woman was warned. Be it some program, some DVD, some website. Lord, would you help us to keep out of our house the very things that could undermine our home.